So Aesop has a fable. It's a fable that's entitled The Sun and the North Wind, and it goes something like this. The sun and the north wind were having a dispute one day over which was stronger. A man, a traveler, was walking down the road wearing a coat, and the north wind said, I've got a way that we can settle this dispute. Whoever can force or get the man to take off his coat is the stronger of the two of us, and I'll go first, said the north wind. And so the sun hid himself behind the cloud, and the north wind gathered up all of his fury and all of his power, and he blew against the man with great force, so much force that the trees around him began to bend under the weight and the cold of the wind. But the man, subject to the onslaught of the north wind's full power, simply took his coat and wrapped it all the more tightly around him. Finally, the north wind gave up, and the sun said, it's my turn. And the sun came out from behind the cloud, and with great warmth and sunshine, the sunlight fell upon the man, and in the midst of this beautiful, warm journey, the man takes off his coat, folds it, and puts it on his arm. The moral of the fable is kindness is more powerful than harshness. That kindness influences people to a greater extent than harshness. Now Aesop picked this up from simply observing God's world. We have this truth given to us in God's very word. So please take your Bible and turn to the book of Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, page 912 in the church Bibles. Romans 2. We began our series in the book of Romans four weeks ago with the all-important truth that Jesus is risen. And the truth that Jesus is risen changes everything. There's nothing in life that is not affected by the fact that Jesus has been raised from the dead. And as we go through the book of Romans, we're encountering truth after truth that we can now understand because Jesus is risen. And this morning we have the opportunity in the middle of the first three chapters of Romans which are really focused on human sinfulness in the midst of these three chapters, God has an encouraging word for us about his kindness and the power of God's kindness in the midst or in the face of our sin. Romans chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. You, therefore... Have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, yet do the same things, Do you think you will escape God's judgment? 
Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Now the key phrase in what Paul has written is the last phrase of verse 4. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. And as we think about the truths that are changed because Jesus is risen, we come face to face with the idea that God's kindness is how he responds to our sinfulness. Now this truth is articulated in a similar sort of way in Psalm 103, which was really one of the songs we sang this morning, the first one we sang. Psalm 103 says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. In the face of human sinfulness, God chooses kindness. Now in Romans chapter 2, verse 4 identifies or highlights three aspects of that compassion and mercy. Patience, forbearance, and kindness. Patience simply means that in the face of our sin, God does not immediately fly off the handle and begin to punish us the moment we begin sinning. God instead chooses to wait patiently. As he brings grace into our life, as he brings truth into our life, as he brings help into our life, God is patient in the face of our sins. Forbearance means that God puts up with a lot of junk in our lives, that he overlooks a lot of sin in our lives while he works towards rescuing us. Very rarely are sins isolated incidents. They tend to come in patterns. And as we are going through those sins or fall into that pattern of sin, God is very tolerant and forbearing. He puts up with a lot of junk while he works in and through us. And then third, the word kindness. It's the word for the overall category, but it also means that in the midst of our sins, God chooses specific acts of grace and mercy. He does things for us that we don't deserve for the purpose of leading us to repentance. Don't miss that part. 
it's easy in the face of God's patience and forbearance and kindness to think that he's ignoring sin, that he's sweeping it under the rug, that he's waved it away, that he really is not that concerned about sin. Nothing could be further from the truth. But the fact of the matter is, is that God's patience, forbearance, and kindness is designed to lead us to repentance to lead us to a place where we take our sin seriously. Other places in the Bible tells us that God disciplines those that he loves. But even his discipline is actually part of his kindness. He never disciplines us as harshly as our sins deserve. While he's disciplining us, he is patient, waiting for the discipline to take effect. During the time that he's disciplining us, He is forbearing with us, putting up with our complaining and our moaning about how hard our life is when we haven't realized it's a result of our sin that this discipline has come. But please don't take from this that somehow God is soft on sin. But understand from God's word that he realizes the best way to deal with sin, to get us to the point of repentance is not harshness, but patience, forbearance, and kindness, which are designed to lead us to repentance. Let me give you a couple of examples to show how this works. The foremost example, the ultimate example, is the story of Jesus Christ himself, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Romans 3 says that God put up with the sins of humanity for a long time while he was preparing salvation in the person of Jesus. That he left sins committed before Jesus unpunished. That's forbearance. Because he had a plan by which he was going to bring rescue. Galatians 4 tells us that God was patient, waiting for just the right time to reveal salvation in Jesus. Even though the whole world was full of sin, God patiently waited. Romans 5 tells us that even while we were still sinners, God chose to be kind to us. God chose to demonstrate his love for us by offering his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus showed his love for us by coming here to demonstrate his kindness, his willingness in the face of our sin to die on a cross for us. I love the way John 3 puts it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God's Son did not come into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. And that's what happens, isn't it? We see God's love for us expressed in Jesus, the kindness of God, the willingness of Jesus to do this thing for us. And we come face to face with the reality that our sins are bad enough that they resulted in Jesus dying on a cross. And it leads us to repentance. God's kindness is intended to lead us 
to repentance. That's also true in more individual cases. Take the story of Zacchaeus recorded for us in the Bible. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and a cheat. He was hated by all of the people who knew him because he was stealing money from them. Yes, he was rich, but he was an outcast. No one would have anything to do with him. But God was patient with Zacchaeus. He didn't strike him down the first time Zacchaeus stole money from someone. Zacchaeus didn't steal just once, but many times, yet God was tolerant and forbearing, putting up with Zacchaeus' sins on an ongoing basis. And God expressed his kindness to Zacchaeus. Jesus Christ went out of his way to travel to the city of Jericho. Why? Because he was there at God's command to express kindness to Zacchaeus in the midst of his sin. I mean, Zacchaeus is a man nobody in the city of Jericho wants anything to do with. And Jesus shows up, and instead of condemning him, he says, I'm going to come spend time with you. And the Pharisees and the leaders say, how can he eat with tax collectors and sinners? What they want from God is harshness. And Jesus says, but I'm here to bring kindness. And the result? Jesus comes to eat at Zacchaeus' house, and God's kindness leads Zacchaeus to repentance. He says, I'm going to give half my money to the poor, and if I've stolen money from anyone, I'm going to repay them four times the amount. That's this truth. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. Or consider the story of the young couple who's living together but aren't married. Perhaps they're new to the church or they don't know anybody in the church to kind of come alongside of them and tell them, look, this is dishonoring to God. You're not supposed to be doing this. God in his mercy and in his compassion and in his patience waits patiently while they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. God puts up with sin that he shouldn't put up with. And in the midst of that situation, God lays on the heart of an older woman in the church the younger woman's name, and says, go and meet up with her. And so the older woman decides she's going to invite this younger woman who's living with her boyfriend into a discipleship and mentoring relationship. And that older woman comes alongside and befriends the younger woman, and the younger woman receives what she had always wanted, an older woman to love her and look out for her along the way. God uses that older woman to convict the younger woman that she's living in sin and that this is dishonoring to God and that what God wants is to bless her. The younger woman is able to see her sin. She and her boyfriend move out, are able later on to get married and to honor and glorify God in that. And out of it all, that younger woman got a lifelong friend and mentor and discipler. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. God's not ignoring the sin. 
He just realizes and understands the best way to deal with sin. The best way to get to repentance is patience, forbearance, and kindness. Listen, nobody hates sin more than God does. But no one knows better how to deal with sin in such a way that it results in repentance. Now there's a warning to us and an encouragement to us in this as well. The warning, which is really what the context of the passage is about, the warning and the encouragement is do not despise God's kindness. Do not show contempt for the kindness of God. How do we do that? Three ways it's possible for you and I to show contempt or to despise God's kindness. The first is to forget that we got to where we are because of the kindness of God. Listen, if you're in a good spot right now, praise the Lord. But it's easy to slip into thinking, well, yes, I'm here because I memorized lots of Bible verses or I went to church every week or I made good decisions or I've tried to be generous with my money or I've tried to behave myself. And we can look at where we are right now and think, yes, I'm the one that God is here. The truth of the matter is it was God's kindness. And we may say, well, look at the other people and look at the choices that they're making. I didn't make those choices, did we not? Was it not God's kindness? Were there not maybe some of us who ended up with a beautiful, wonderful, amazing spouse even while we were struggling with the sin of pornography? Are there not some among us who God gave amazing job even while we were selfish and materialistic and greedy? Are there not some among us whom God has given great friendships even when we were struggling with being a gossip and a slanderer? We are where we are because of the kindness of God. If God treated us the way our sins deserve, who could stand? Which of us would be here this morning? And so if you or I are in a good place today, don't forget it was the patience, the forbearance, and the kindness of God that led us to this place. And don't underestimate its power. The second way that we can show contempt for God's kindness is we can refuse to allow him to show patience, forbearance, and kindness to others who are caught in sin. Now, if you're like me, when you hear news of someone whose spouse has been unfaithful or someone who's uh, being abusive to another person or someone who is being selfish and greedy, your first inclination is probably similar to mine. Lord, discipline them. Come on, Lord, get to work. We don't want God to be patient. Not in their case. We hear about this and say, Lord, it's time to act. We want to see this happen immediately. Someone has been unfaithful to their spouse. We want them to lose their job immediately. Someone is spreading false rumors about us. We want them to be humiliated immediately. We don't want patience. We don't want forbearance. We certainly don't want kindness. We want harshness. And God says, but what we ultimately want is repentance, right? 
And the best way to get to repentance is patience, forbearance, and kindness. God's not ignoring the sin of those around us. God's not ignoring the sin in our spouse or in our children or in our grandchildren or in our friends or in our classmates or in our small group. God's not ignoring those sins. He just happens to know something that we don't understand. Kindness is the greatest tool to bring about repentance. The third and final way that we can show contempt for God's kindness is when we refuse to offer kindness to others when it is in our power to do so. Again, many of us have been trained by the world around us. When you see something in error, jump all over it and get it fixed immediately. We're convinced that if every time our spouse does something, we bring it up to them, then we'll train them to have good behavior. We're convinced that if every time somebody sins against us, we keep a mental record of that so that we have an opportunity when the time comes to share it with them. We're convinced that if every time a child or a grandchild does something or spends money inappropriately, that if we jump all over them and discipline them, then we will train them in the right way. Do you know what that is? That's simply behavioralism. That's simply molding people to respond in a certain sort of way. What we ultimately want is repentance. And God says, true repentance, real repentance, the best shot, it's not guaranteed, but the best shot for real repentance comes through patience, forbearance, and kindness. One of the universal marks of humanity is that we are much harder on others than we are on ourselves. It's much easier to see the sins of others than it is to see our own sins. In this way, we are showing contempt for the kindness of God. Kindness that led us to repentance, kindness that leads others to repentance. God says, listen, try kindness in your relationships with others and see if it doesn't work. I received an email testimony this week that, again, only God could provide it. It perfectly illustrates the truth that, I, that we're trying to understand today. The email comes from a husband in our church whose wife had been unfaithful to him. In the email, he's discussing his correspondence with the other man. The husband from our church writes, after prayerful consideration and some additional counsel, I confronted the man, the one who had had the affair with his wife. I communicated with him that my wife had come clean and that I was aware of the entirety of the affair. But furthermore, I described the grace that God had given to her and I individually and the restoration of our marriage. I shared with him that in obedience to the God who forgave me, I forgave him. I also shared that it was my prayer that the great healer would restore him and his family. Finally, I asked him to stop contacting my wife and to leave us in peace. There had been no news since then. 
It had been about a year. From one standpoint, God had given us peace by restraining this man and keeping him out of our lives. But last week, Saturday, so eight days ago, something like that, I received the following email from the man who said, I would like to offer a sincere apology to you, and I hope you can accept. My life was not well at the time. I'm truly very sorry. Your communication to me was heartfelt, classy, and godly, especially under the circumstances. It may not matter to you, but last August I turned my life over to God and became saved. I've enjoyed my weekly Bible study and service each week. It took God throwing me into a desert without water to see and believe in him. The walk has been rewarding in many ways, and I want to say that your text was part of my inspiration to seek the Lord. You are truly a remarkable man. I didn't know men like you existed until the last eight months. I'm now one of those men, and I will never go back to where I was. My life was hell. I was under demonic power, and when they have you, they have you. I lost my family over not having Christ in my heart and being selfish. I pray every day my wife will give me grace, and if you could be kind enough to pray for me and my family to be reunited, that would mean a lot. I am so, so sorry. When a man, you can go ahead and clap for that. When a man commits adultery, the Bible is very clear. The result of that should be death. But instead, God chose patience and forbearance and kindness. And one of the ways he demonstrated kindness was in a husband who was willing to forgive and a husband who was willing to offer grace. Not ignoring the sin, but understanding that God's kindness leads us to repentance. Listen, you can't make this stuff up. I didn't, this, is not a, this is not a parable. This is a true story. God's kindness leads to repentance. God is so serious about sin that he knows there's only one thing strong enough to deal with sin, and that is the kindness and compassion of God. <laughs> 